Immigration Advocates Network podcast. Hello, and welcome to our podcast on the June 2021 Bonafide Determination U Visa Policy Update. My name is Dina Knott, and I am the Volunteer and Community Education Coordinator and an AmeriCorps VISTA at Immigration Advocates Network. In this podcast, I will be interviewing Catherine Seitz, the Legal Director at the Immigration Institute of the Bay Area. She is also a former chair for the Northern California chapter of the American Immigration Lawyers Association and a co-author of the ILRC's U-Visa Manual. Catherine has a JD from UC Hastings and a BA in Latin American Studies from UC Berkeley and has over 30 years of experience working in the field of immigration law. Prior to starting her work with Immigration Institute of the Bay Area, she worked at Legal Services for Children as their legal director and Bay Area legal aid as their regional immigration coordinator focusing on immigration relief for survivors of domestic violence and sexual assault. Welcome, Catherine. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for being here. So just to start us off, could you give us a quick basic overview of the U-Visa? Yes, the U visa is it's a avenue of immigration relief. So it's a path to a work permit and eventually a green card for people who have been victims of certain crimes, mostly violent crimes, but not exclusively, in the United States where they can show that they cooperated with law enforcement and suffered substantial harm as a result of being a victim of the crime. And it leads to a work permit, which used to take a really long time. And now what we're going to talk about today is how it might take a little bit less of a long time to get to the work permit stage. And then eventually there's a path to a green card in the very long run. And um, the kinds of qualifying crimes, uh, the U visa sort of evolved out of the Violence Against Women Act. So a lot of the crimes are sort of domestic violence and sexual assault related, but there's others also. There's a bunch of different crimes. Stalking is included. And then uh, another category that's very common is felonious assault. So if you've been the victim of an armed robbery, that's a very common way to get a U visa. Great. Thank you. So what is bona fide determination and how does it change the U visa process? The bona fide determination is just a more cursory review of the U visa application. The current system is that they don't give an applicant a work permit until they've done a full review of the application, until they're sure that they're, they're going to actually approve it in the long run. And this is a way where they can do a more cursory review, just check to see you have a few forms and your biometrics are clear, and then they can give you a work permit. Because the problem is that they can only give 10,000 U visa applicants a year, or 10,000 principal U visa applicants a year, an actual U visa. So there has to be a way to give people a work permit while they're waiting. And in the past, the way that they've done it is by putting people on a wait list, but that takes them so long that it takes five years to get that work permit. So the goal is to get that five-year period down. They say now it'll take them about two years to catch up with the bona fide determination process. But the hope, I think, is that eventually you apply for a U visa and maybe within six months you get a work permit. Like that's the... That's the dream. <laughs> and so that's the idea. The whole goal is to get work permits to crime victims faster. Wonderful. So who does this change apply to? Who is included? Okay, so who's included is both principal 
U visa applicants and derivatives. So derivatives are the family members of U visa applicants. So somebody's a victim of a crime, they apply for a U visa. They can also include their spouse and their minor children, their children who are unmarried and under 21 in that in that application. And if the U visa applicant, the principal applicant is under 21, they can include their parents and their siblings who are under 18, as well as their own spouse and children if they have them. So for principal petitioners, they're eligible for a bona fide determination if uh, when USCIS looks at their application packet, if they have just the basic forms in it, the actual application form, the law enforcement certification, and a declaration. And they're not going to be looking at like how good that declaration is or how long it is or anything, just that it's there. And then they also check to make sure biometrics are complete and clear. So if the client has no criminal history, that's a, a principal petitioner, has those things in the file, they'll get a bona fide determination. And their family members will get one if the principal gets one and if the derivative application's form is in the file and proof of the relationship. So like a birth certificate or marriage certificate and if their biometrics are complete and clear. So for people who don't have an arrest history, this is gonna be a great way to get a work permit quickly. It's gonna be really easy. Thank you. Okay, so would you say that if someone is granted or not granted this bona fide determination, that that has any sort of predictive element towards what the final result of the full adjudication of the application will be? Yeah, not necessarily. So if they're granted a BFD, all it means is that they put in the right forms and they don't have a criminal history. So it doesn't really mean they're going to get a U visa, which is going to be hard for people to have had a work permit for, you know, for four years or eight years or something and then get denied. That's going to be very frustrating if there's people in that situation. Um, if you don't get a BFD, that also doesn't necessarily indicate that you're going to be denied. It just means that your case is more complex. It means probably you have a criminal history and you have to put in a lot more effort to prove that you deserve a U visa despite having this criminal history. And how does a request for further evidence fit in with bona fide determination? Is receiving bona fide determination or a request for further evidence, are those things mutually exclusive? Yeah, not necessarily. The impression we get from the way they've described the process is that if a principal applicant gets an RFE or a request for evidence, that might mean that they're moving to a waitlist determination. So what can happen is they look at the case and they decide, okay, does it meet this really simple BFD standard? And if it's yes, they issue the work permit. And then if it's no, then they can issue an RFE. And that RFE might mean that they just need a little something and then they can still put them in the BFD category, or it might mean that they're moving to a waitlist determination, which means they're going to review the whole application. And so that's not as good. And what triggers that usually is the existence of something on the biometrics, some sort of arrest history. For a derivative, they're going to be more likely, I think, to get an RFB and stay in the bona fide category because once the principal gets a bona fide determination, the derivative can only get a bona fide determination. They can't move to the waitlist stage without the principal being on the waitlist stage. So in that situation, if a derivative gets an RFE, you know, to, to submit criminal records and to submit good moral character evidence, then they may still get a BFD, even though they got the request for evidence. But I think most of the time when a principal gets an RFE, it probably means they're moving to a waitlist adjudication. 
And do you think, overarchingly, that this bona fide determination policy represents a positive administrative shift? Definitely. I'm very excited about this. It's really hard on our clients not to have work permits. So I think this is a really good good move on the part of USAIS to um, try to make this effort to issue work permits faster. So I think it'll really make a huge difference in our clients' lives. Great. And so far, how have you seen or heard about this bona fide determination process being played out? And as kind of a follow-up, do you have any information on where USCIS is on working through the existing U visa backlog? Yeah, I think so far it seems to be working pretty well. Like people have seen a lot of, they're getting a lot of BFD notices and they're getting work permits. It's going slower than I had really hoped because it's been in place since June and we're already in December now. And what we're hearing is they're still at late 2016, early 2017. So people who applied back in, you know, like December of 2016 or January of 2017 are just now getting their bona fide determination notices. And they were in 2016 when they started back in June. So I was kind of hoping it would go a little faster, but maybe it's a slow start because they're learning and then they'll pick up the pace next year. So that's my hope. We haven't yet seen any cases where they've issued a request for evidence in a case or moved to a waitlist adjudication. So far, we've just gotten the bona fide determination notices, which has been really great. One sort of concern that people have had is USCIS has said that they will use any I-765 work permit application that's in the file in order to issue the bona fide determination. But the concern is what if somebody didn't file one, you know, like they weren't eligible for a fee waiver and they didn't want to pay for it until they knew they were going to get their U approved. And so they don't have one in the file. And people are wondering, do we have to wait for the bona fide determination thing and then send in the work permit? Because then that'll cause a delay. So people are trying to wonder if we can interfile. So basically send an I-765 now to have it in the file when they get to the case and look at it for the bona fide determination. And USCIS has said that they prefer that we don't do that. They prefer that we wait and send it in once they send us that VFD letter. But then on the other hand, they also have said that the I-765 for the bona fide determination should be free. So people have gone ahead and tried to get that I-765 submitted without a fee. And there's sort of a positive thing lately in that a lot of those got rejected. Like the mailroom didn't know that you could file an I-765 with no fee. And so a lot got rejected and then people would then pay a fee just to get it through, just to save themselves that few months later on down the road. But now USCIS has said that they've made it more clear to their mailroom that they don't have to pay a fee. And if somebody did pay a fee, they're going to refund it, which is unheard of in the world of USCIS. They never give back the money. That's fantastic. I was not expecting and hadn't heard of that. Yeah. Okay. What other legal or administrative changes need to be made in order to treat immigrant victims of crime fairly? Well, the number one, it needs to be a legislative change. Congress has to do this. And what they really need to do is eliminate the cap. 10,000 crime victims a year getting U visas is way too low. We've learned that this is a really popular and effective program, right? I think that There's been studies to show that law enforcement really does feel like the existence of the U visa program 
has resulted in more people reporting crime and more people cooperating in investigations and prosecutions. So it's a really good thing for law enforcement. It is a useful tool. And so we want to make it effective and make it work for the clients. We should just eliminate that cap because it's inefficient. It's harmful to clients because they then have to wait longer to get their actual green card and their status and bring family from abroad. But it's also super inefficient for USCIS that they have to do this whole bona fide determination process and they have to, you know, issue work permits for four years and another four years. And whereas they could do it all at once, they could touch the case once if there was no cap and just get it approved. And that would be ideal for everybody. So the eliminate the cap is my number one dream for U visas. And then my next one is thinking smaller, that it would be nice if USCIS was more generous with fee waivers again. We end up in a tricky situation in that if a client is receiving a means-tested benefit, they can get a fee waiver. Or if they're working a little bit, you know, they can document their income, then they can get a fee waiver. But if they're not working at all, then it's really hard to document zero, you know? And it used to be just super easy. They would take the client's word for it. And now they're insisting on documentation. So it would be really nice if they would go back to taking our client's word for it when they can't afford the filing fees. Yeah, wow. I imagine that it would not be easy to have documentation that you don't have a job, especially if you often don't have employment authorization. So it's not easy to find work. I have one more dream. The other one is what I want USCIS to do is be more generous with clients who struggle. I think they used to be more this way and that they've gotten more conservative in recent years, it seems like. So it's ironic in a way that in order to get a U visa, you have to show that you've suffered substantial harm, right? So you have to show that you've been traumatized. But then if that trauma that you suffered and that you had to suffer in order to qualify results in you sort of, you know, acting out in the wrong way, you know, maybe it results in you self-medicating and getting a DUI, or it results in you not being able to keep up with your deadlines and get paperwork done on time and you miss deadlines. So then they're pretty strict about those sorts of things. And so it just seems unfair to require that somebody's traumatized, but then also require them to function as if they weren't traumatized. But I'd like to see is more, more leniency with clients when they, when they make mistakes, you know, or don't do quite the right thing in their life in terms of meeting the deadlines or in terms of committing crimes, you know, especially related to the trauma. For this type of visa, I imagine those concerns come up pretty frequently. They do. They really do. So. So thank you for discussing all of this. Finally, I'd just like to ask you, how would you advise a pro bono lawyer or other legal service provider to get started if they wanted to help U visa petitioners? Okay. I think there's sort of two stages. One is to learn more about U visas, and then the other one is to find a good organization that places U visa cases with pro bono attorneys, if they can find one in their area. There's lots of good sources of trainings. So a lot of times the nonprofit who places the U visa case will do the training themselves, but there's also Immigrant Legal Resource Center has a U visa manual and does a lot of webinars on U visas. Clinic and Assista also do a lot of trainings on U visa applications. And then the USCIS website is actually also very helpful, <laughs> has a lot of good information on there. So one is to get the training, you know, do the webinars, look at the manual. And then the other one is work with a nonprofit that places UBISA cases pro bono. So in the Bay Area, Bay Area Legal Aid has a big UBISA pro bono program. 
I think around the country, a lot of a lot of nonprofits do. I'm sure that you could go to the Immigrant Advocates Network and website and find, you know, nonprofits in your area that do U visas and reach out to them and see if they take volunteers. Sometimes the program will want a volunteer to like come into their office, uh, you know, and work I mean, post-COVID, I guess, um, <laughs> you know, and work on a case for them. And then the nonprofit submits it. And other times they will connect you with a client and provide you with mentoring. And then you can, in your own office, do the case and submit it. All right. Before we sign off here, is there anything else that you wanted to cover? Um, the only other sort of detail I'd like to bring up about the bona fide determination process is that if you have a client who um, is in removal proceedings or is um, has an outstanding removal order and you're trying to get a stay of removal for them, then USCIS has said that this bona fide determination will replace what they used to call the prima facie determination. So having a bona fide determination will be useful to you in showing ICE or showing the immigration court that your client should be given more time, you know, that it's likely that they're going to prevail on their UBS application, so they should be given more time to stay here. Okay, thank you for that guidance, and thank you so much for coming on and talking to us and our listeners about this development. Yeah, you're very welcome. Thank you for having me.